Hi, welcome to our pilot session of Wake Up With Joy. I'm here with Dr. Rick Hawks, who is a forensic psychologist, and we are being recorded today courtesy of Thin Air Media. I've known Rick for a while. Quite a while. Quite a while. Uh, Rick, will you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So I'm a psychologist and have been in the mental health profession for probably uh, 45 years, I'm guessing, if I was guessing. And uh, the last 20 to 30 years, been licensed as a psychologist. So initially it was just a professional counselor, and then more recently, in the last few years, it's been a, a forensic psychologist. So what that means is that uh, primarily, uh, as a psychologist, obviously I can do uh, any variety of services, treatment, uh, and uh, evaluations or assessment. And over the years, I've, I've been involved with a, a variety of different uh, treatment uh, programs. So I've worked in psychiatric wards and uh, methadone clinics for drug rehab and uh, counseling and various different kinds of clientele from marriage problems to addictions to uh, whatever happens to come. So we did that for a bunch of years. In fact, worked at Weber Human Services, a community mental health center for uh, close to 30 years and uh, uh, worked there as their chief psychologist, which is interesting because in a community mental health center, that's the uh, usually the, the homeless, the more the low income, the right those kind of folks, and so you get exposure to real life issues and uh, lots of them. You know, we had thousands of clients and do admits, you know, hundreds a month. It's got to be overwhelming. Yeah, there's yeah. So worked there for a while, and that was a good experience, obviously. And then the last, and when I retired from there in about 15 years ago maybe. I was the chief psychologist for the Weber Human Services then moved into primarily just private practice. So the last 10 or 15 years just been doing uh, private practice and, and mostly uh, forensic, which means it has to do with the court. So if it's a legal charge, like if there was a uh, a sexual offense, uh, uh, any kind of a criminal charge, then uh, sometimes the judge has a question and he wants it answered. So they send it to an uh, examiner, a forensic examiner, and and we go in and answer the question for him. So sometimes that question is like sexual risk for dangerousness. Sometimes it's a, a mental state at the time of the offense when they pulled the trigger when they killed somebody, what was going on, because they, that has legal implications, so we do right. that too. Right, And um, so probably the last 10, 15 years, my claim to fame, fame would probably be having seen hundreds of murderers and rapists and child molesters and shoplifters and everything else like that. So... Uh, that uh, gave me a lot of life experience. Wow, so, that's one way to put it. 
What got you interested in starting down the path of being a psychologist? Uh, not sure about that. Just a job. <laughs> started out in the drug clinic back when I started. You, you didn't need to have a license. So this is 40 years ago, and mm -hmm. you could practice and eventually moved in the direction of licensing and, and interest. Uh, uh, so uh, once getting into it, it was... Uh, uh, rewarding generally, not always, obviously. Right. But uh, it was uh, it was generally re rewarding to do the therapy and to help people. More recently, moving into the uh, forensic examination. So having so when you do an evaluation on, let's say, a murderer or a rapist, that that the court will send an order, then I'll ask a question and. And then you'll go spend time with the individual or an attorney will make the referral. Then you go spend the time with them. So you could spend hours with them. You do testing on them. Uh, you visit with them. And, and oftentimes, uh, well, all the time probably, you have access to all the discovery. The discovery means the pictures, the videos, the CSI stuff you oh, see on okay. TV. okay. The so, kind of stuff that gives me nightmares. That's the stuff. <laughs> okay. That's it. Yeah. You named it. So, yeah, the videotapes of them shooting each other or, you know, the crime scene evidence. And so nowadays they just give it to us in a CDs, you know, and give us a bunch of CDs. Historically, they used to give us big three-ring binders, and we'd have a couple of them to go through and, and uh, go in it. So we got, I did, and still do, get up front and personal with some of what society thinks are the uh, the bad apple in the bushel basket, or the, the you know what often might be the the low lives considered, or the the real dangerous guys or gals to do that. Wow! And so after you get up close and personal with the low lives, the dangerous, do you still consider them low lives and dangerous? Oh, no, some no. of them are. So of the, if you take the most of them, uh, a lot of them are just uh, normal people having some issues going on, you know, especially with the sex offenses. You know, most right. of the sex offense, you know, as you read about them or hear about them, they have professional jobs. They're school teachers, they're professors up at college, they're policemen, they're, they're lawyers, they're everything. So those particular, that particular population probably is pretty normal on the outside, you know, and, and have families and kids and, and jobs, etc. When you get into the, the, the violent charges, they usually get a little more uh, dangerous in appearance or have a more history of a police reporter uh, when they start killing people. Not all the times, but generally you do. So having been and seen around all that, and then what I would do after doing some testing, so when I'm done with a person, you know, I not only have a face-to-face -face interview, interview like you and I are having, talking and visiting right. several times, and and then we end up doing some psychological testing, so we have some collateral data. So when we're done, uh, have pretty good idea of what's going on. Do the collateral contacts often or periodically call their parents or? family members to see what happened historically to get as much information as possible. So when we're done, you get uh, a pretty good idea of 
what to put in the report, and the report is what goes to the judge, and then, you know, they have court after that, and off you go. So, so we're going to rewind here a few years. I was going through a divorce, and I didn't know that you did all this. I didn't know that you were a forensic psychologist. I didn't know that you had this background. But here I was going through this really hard divorce, being married for 16 years, finding out some things that did not sit well with me, um, discovering some things about myself that I didn't realize uh, were unhealthy. And you came into my life in, in a time when I was, I was low. I mean, I almost drove my car into a reservoir. I was that low. That's pretty low. That's Paige. pretty low, right? Yeah. So that was just before I filed for divorce. But not uncommon, but that's pretty low. That's pretty low. Yeah. And so I reached out. I finally recognized I needed help. And uh, I reached out and, and I, I got help. And I found out that, you know, we fall into these patterns. Um, and when, when we're in a situation that is not healthy and we don't realize it's not healthy, we will often look for what is wrong with us. Mm -hmm. And we sit there and we, we think about how, you know, kind of a pity party almost. Mm -hmm. And, and we don't see a way out is, is the big thing. And I can imagine a lot of these people that you have met with have fallen into these same patterns of not seeing a way out of where they were. Right. Yeah. Many times it, those kinds of behaviors like uh, thoughts of suicide or uh, violent acts, etc., are uh, uh, evidence of trying to solve a problem. And people can solve a problem only with the resources they're aware of. And right. if uh, they're limited on resources, then, uh, then they, they don't have any options. And so violence or self-harm becomes an option. So yeah, I agree with you. That would be right. Well, I'm hoping... My hope is that this podcast and, and this show will help people find options. It'll help people to see, you know, there are other people out there that are low. There are other people out there that have been in a situation similar to mine, and they were able to get out of that in a healthy way. Yeah. And so I'd like this show to really help people gain tools. That's a, that's a good uh, good goal, and there's plenty of us because we all have those low days, you know. We do. And uh, one of the issues is that people think that I'm the only one, that isolation. Absolutely. And once you start isolating, then the, you know, those thoughts start taking different shape and the resources get fewer and limited, and then you end up in uh, not having a lot of resources to make decisions with. So, yeah, I think that's a good goal to do that. I remember one of the big things after my divorce was I felt so ashamed and I didn't want to talk to anybody because I felt like, like something was wrong with me and you would come over and you would talk to me and I would always feel better afterwards. And I think I was in that, that state of, I'm the only one, yeah. I'm the only one that's, that's got a problem. I'm the only one, look at all these happy people out here. And I'm the only one that's going not. through something. It's not. <laughs> yeah, if you only knew that. So that pattern that you mentioned, Faith, about uh, uh, feeling I'm the only one in the shame and that kind of barrier we put up, 
isn't just common with divorce. Obviously, it's common with uh, uh, the addict. If there's a, a person with porn addiction, for example, mm -hmm. or alcohol addiction, that isolation and kind of hiding it, it becomes an issue. Interesting enough, same thing for the wife or the spouse, right? So the porn addict has that right. same feelings of drawing in and keeping it a secret. And then the wife has the same thing of pulling in and keeping it a secret. And, right. And uh, so that behavior is common across different kinds of uh, problems, if we use that term, or, or challenges that we might have, which uh, usually brings not good stuff. It usually brings more darkness, more isolation, more pain, more dysfunction. Well, the power of the addiction lies in the secrecy of it. That's one of them. That's correct. And I find that when I'm able to share things, I feel a burden lifted. Yeah. yeah. In reality, so like you sharing right now some personal information like you have, uh, that breaks through that barrier. It, 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 one needs to be ashamed so your viewers or listeners, they can right. see that and say, that's okay. I mean, it's right. life. And... Uh, we could take the next 10 people walking down the street and every each 10 of them, each one of them would have some issue they're struggling with and some issue that, that they're facing, some of them more serious than others, obviously, but they're certainly issues. So that uh, openness usually brings uh, resources, and that's what you want. Absolutely. The resources. And so you go through a lot of... Um, cases. You see a lot of things. Uh, how do you, number one, help people so that they have resources to maybe move forward mm -hmm. in a healthy way? Number two, how do you keep yourself from falling into these low, low, low points? It's right. got to be wearing right. to be in that kind of a situation day after day. Right. And I twist those around, meaning number one would be I got to take care of myself Good first. point. Good uh, point. Because if if I'm my cup's empty, then obviously I'm not in the position to help somebody else. Right. Can I stop that. you right there? Sure. You taught me that. Well, good. Then you did. Then you picked up a good lesson then. You did. So, a um, little bit of history on me. I had a family move into my basement. I remember that. Yeah. Okay. And and. Uh, five kids and two parents and he was going through cancer and it was crazy. Um, I was still pretty freshly divorced and I was working my fingers to the bone. And you had the three kids. And Can we say codependent? Yes. Right. And um, yeah, I've got three girls of my own yeah. and uh, you came over one day and, and you said, if your cup is empty, you have nothing left to give. All right. And I'm like, oh, I know, I know, I know. And then I was listening to uh, Brene Brown, uh -huh. and she wrote an, a lot of amazing books. But one of the books that she wrote that I that I love is called Braving the Wilderness. Uh -huh. And she said that she was going through a frenzy on one of her presentations, and she had to make sure everything was perfect. And there was an after party, and she didn't want to go, but she felt like she had to. And one of the other presenters there, she said, Brene, first... We have to inhale before we can exhale. Good point. She said, why don't you go home and inhale so you can exhale later? Yeah. And that, what, that it really drove home what you taught me that day. Yeah. Is if you don't feed yourself, 
you have nothing to give others. Yeah, and that principle is illustrated in lots of different kinds of concepts, even in psychology, you know, in terms of taking care of oneself and nurturing yourself and and uh, those kinds of concepts really critical. So if someone comes in uh, and has an issue with a marriage or an issue with with a family or a, a, a child that's causing lots of problems, often the first thing I will recommend they do is to take a look at themselves and to see if there's somehow and or some way they can improve themselves or make sure they're ready. If they don't have the strength and the courage and that self-esteem or self-love or whatever you want to call it, then they're not going to be able to endure the challenges that's going to come through therapy or change. Right. So, so that's a good starting point with any problem uh, is that self-concept. So yeah, that's a, that's a basic rule number one. And if you become so preoccupied, so worried about working out somebody else's life and solving their problems and you take on their responsibility, then you neglect yourself. And if you neglect yourself, you lose because it's going to eventually catch up with you. You need to have some healthy boundaries. Yeah, that's it. And, and see, in, our, in, in many Christian uh, locations, they, the concept of give, 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 give equals happiness and peace. And see, in my work after 45 years, people who give, 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 give at expense of themselves end up in the psych ward on a nervous breakdown or a suicide right. attempt. And so uh, that, that concept on the surface of helping and, you know, and trying to help somebody in the basement and extending right. as a line of which at one point it's codependent and you're, you're on the wrong track, and, and maybe sometimes you can, but not at expense of yourself. So right. yeah, that's a good point. So back to your question about myself. So obviously over the years, some of it's occurred naturally and some of it's occurred intentionally. In other words, I have to make efforts. So how I view it is I use the terms resource, resources. So okay. in my mind, uh, life has a bunch of stress, whatever it happens to be. Right. And then there's stress, and then there's resources to deal with that stress. So let's say that I have, going through divorce, have three kids, all this, and the stress builds up to a, and I'm just using a hypothetical stress number of 40. Okay. And then the resources are two. I've got, I get to sleep at night sometimes, and uh, and maybe once in a while I get to go for a walk. So I have two resources to deal with a number 40 stress. And when that happens, obviously that's where the overwhelming and the depression and a lot of those ang anxious feelings begin to occur. Right. So what I've learned over the years is I don't care how much stress you have. You could have one stress or a hundred stress. I care how many resources you have to deal with that. So if you have... Mm -hmm one stress and no resources, right. then you're in trouble. If you right. have 50 stresses and 50 resources, you have uh, time to meditate and time to run and time to think and time to put something back in, whatever that resource is, then, then I'm not worried about you. So the idea is, in, in personally, is to make sure I have enough resources. And we do this practically anyway, right? And if you know you have a busy day tomorrow or next week's going to be really busy and I got lots to do on Monday, I got all these appointments, what do you do on Sunday night? Sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I got to take it easy. I got to, 
All right, this week's going to be heck, so I got to take it easy and just take a deep breath and inhale and sleep because I know tomorrow I'm not going to get any. So we think that way. We know that if it's really busy, I got to get enough energy and resources to deal with that. And, and that's a good principle to keep in mind in just in terms of coping and, and working through is to because resources and resources are things that work for you and not for somebody else. And they're usually things you do, things you're involved with, activities, hobbies or, or religious activities, whatever happens to work. And, and for example, for me, a resource would be gardening because I like that. So gardening for me is therapeutic. It puts something into me. So for me, pulling weeds and doing those kinds of things is a resource. And for you or someone out there, they're going to say, that's not, that's a stress. You know, that's a number five stress just by itself to plant a garden. <laughs> so when you choose your resources, you got to find something that works for you. So for me, I got to find enough resources to deal with the stress I get because I know I'm going to have stress. So if a murder case comes in and the CD and the, all the body parts and the videos and all the, the, uh, stuff that right. comes with it and, and meeting with them and talking to them and testing them and et cetera, that that's, that's a, that's much stress. And, and then, so somehow I've got to find and make sure I use those resources to match those. So, so how I do it is the, I do gardening, I do exercising, I don't do the Spartans. <laughs> I just, just stick with the easy stuff, but the exercising and and those kinds of things is what I end up doing to make sure I have those resources. Because if I don't, then I'm going to find in, in the energy level and the depression, the like, just how I feel, etc., is going to start dropping to do that. And then you start having the problems. So I generally, it's been my experience, and over the years, obviously, I've worked with uh, uh, professionals. You know, I'm working with a lawyer and doctors as, mm -hmm. as clients and uh, uh, school teachers, etc. So over the years, I've worked with lots of folks, and that principle is true because it's very easy for us to get overextend ourselves and uh, for good causes. It's not that it's bad cause. To help someone out isn't bad. Right. It only becomes bad if it begins uh, impairing my or ability to take care of myself and interfering with my resources from, so I can survive. Right. So that principle is a solid principle. And, and resources, again, are kind of funny because anything that works for you, some people. So for me, the gardening, the exercises, for me, uh, spirituality makes a big difference. I like that. So I'm, I do that. And, uh, uh, ac and recreational activities, some of those things that, that help balance it out. So that way I can go spend a day or two with a murderer and, and be exposed to awfulness and... Uh, it's okay. And and some of the things that I do that I've learned from conversations we've had like this is I love to trail run, get out in the mountains and trail run. You see, that's stress to me. See, <laughs> <laughs> see? I also uh, meditate. I meditate Good every one. single day. And before I get out of bed in the mornings, I will think of 10 things I'm grateful for. Nice one. Yeah. See, those are really good ones. That mindfulness—that's a you know—that strategy when they when you implement that or integrate that with a meditation, and there's a lot of free, you know, 
phone apps and other access, mm-hmm. you know, you can get to to help with meditation and mindfulness. But those are essential. You know, these aren't, uh, in my opinion, uh, if you don't have those, if you can't name me five resources, I call it five to survive. So Very if you nice. if you can't name me five, then then I don't care what's going on in your life. You're not ready to do it. So if you have a divorce or a problem kid or you had a porn addiction to take care of or whatever the issue, if you don't have enough resources, uh, I can teach you the skills. I can teach you, uh, you know, or therapeutically help you or facilitate that process. But if you don't have the life energy to do it, it, it doesn't work. So, so that's a good place to start. Can you name five resources? Can I? Yeah. Yes, okay. absolutely. So one of my resources is going to be my family. Good one, yeah. Okay. Gotta love my family. Uh, my boyfriend. Okay. He's a good resource. Okay. My physical exercise. That's a good one. Yes. My meditation and good mindfulness. One. Good one. And I listen to uplifting podcasts, audio, audio books. Huh? All, I do yeah. lots and lots and lots of audiobooks okay. and uplifting things. And the reason it's good to have five is because every once in a while you have two or three that may not work, like the mm-hmm. boyfriend may be out of town or the kids might be a pain in the butt that day or you right. know so if you have five you can always come back to one and in even in in mental health cases like clinical depression where they're on medication the the myth is if i take the medication i'll be okay but medication is one resource and yeah. even the research is saying you need to have a counselor going with that medication absolutely. and then I'd say you need two or three other resources because you might be having the right idea and getting the medication that same medication if you add four more resources could be effective the same dose and everything if you have that if you get that five magic number resources you could be on the right you'd be could doing you could be doing the right therapy you could be doing the right single resource but it's not effective because you don't have enough of them five to survive yep and so if you get the if a therapeutic you know the counseling appointments nowadays are like 50 minutes they're usually once a week once every other week but you live 24 hours a day see therapy is not it's one resource right medication is one resource absolutely so if you can wrap around and get some more of those resources then we have a lot more hope and it helps us with like you mentioned I've got three girls, yeah. three emotional females that live in my house. And if I'm understanding I need five to survive, yes. they need five yeah. to survive too. And to teach them that. And it's an easy concept, right? Yeah, It's, it's not absolutely. a hard one. Is what do you like to do? What brings something to you? And what brings something to you may not bring it to me. Like uh, I don't like trail running. And right. uh, and you love that, and you probably don't like gardening, and I love that. So and I don't yeah. like Minecraft, and they love that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if they can find something, that's a key. So with me, what I've learned over the years is that that those time for me are pretty important. So you know, I have set times, and I, and eighty to ninety percent of the time, I'll do these resources, and and if I can't do one, then I'll try to catch one of the other ones, and. So I, I at least have some resources putting something in uh, along so that way I can deal with a high stress, you know, on a day-to-day basis and and it's okay. So oddly enough, this podcast is going to be a resource for me 
Oh, interesting. So I went through this, uh, even though it's only Tuesday, it has been one crazy <laughs> week. Already? <laughs> yes. And I, I literally ran out the door at work so nobody could stop me and ask questions and need me to do things so that I could be here. And uh, I just knew that I needed to be here. Uh, it's it's hard to explain. This podcast has been in my mind now for more than two years. Um, I actually secured the Wake Up With Joy. Um, That's a good name, oh, by the way. I thank like you. That. Well, yeah. Well, I'm Faith Joy, right? Yeah. So just kind of makes yeah. sense. And it, now say that again. Wake Up With Joy. Wake Up With Joy. Yeah. Because first of all, I'm a morning person, which gotcha. my kids hate. But um, second of all, my middle name's Joy. And it, waking up is not necessarily about you know being up in the mornings, but right. waking just up your life. Wake up wherever you yeah, are. Yeah, just just be alive, be be mindful, be present, be happy to be here, and create some joy in your life. And I, I'm I'm not saying find mm. joy because I don't think you find it. Yeah. It's not lost. You have yeah. to create it. Yeah. It's like baking a cake. If if maybe if your cake has five ingredients, the five to survive, and yeah. you're missing an ingredient, it's not going to be that joyful of a cake. It's not right. going to rise. Yeah, something so, missing. Is there something missing? So for me, this this podcast and show is is a resource, not not just a service right. that I want to to provide for other people, but also something that helps me to find resources uh -huh. as, as I'm going through life to continue creating joy. Because I've had to learn how to create joy, too. We all do. That's yeah, part of it. And you bring up another key point. So we talked about the five to survive resources. One of the other key ones is the one you're hinting at is trusting your impressions and following through with them. Yes. Because when you start isolating, getting those kind of dark places, it, it the doubt comes in in mm -hmm. the questioning, you know, is this something and I can't do this, I can't do a podcast, or I need, you know, all these questions, and not just for that, but for anything. So the experience is that, and I'm a firm believer that inside you and me and everyone else, there's there's some some place for you to go, and there's a direction there that it, it's not just clutter, and it's not just disorganized, it, that if you look, you can find that. And that impression that you mentioned about, I would like to do a podcast and share and, and with those objectives, uh, that's really important because impressions will change. Impressions are going to tell you what resources work. Mm -hmm. And one year, this resource might work. And then the next year, well, maybe the boyfriend's not there or the girls move out and then they're not there. So you, their resources come and go or right. the medication stops working and... And so if you don't learn to listen to yourself and uh, kind of pay attention and to identify that as a, an impression that you want to do, uh, then you get lost. Because most often, especially with myself, you know, that folks come in and they want the doctor to fix them. And right. probably 20 years ago, I may have done that or 30 years ago, but over the recent years, I don't use that technique anymore because uh, it distracts and it assumes that you don't have a sense of direction. It assumes that you can't figure it out and assume that, uh, and maybe there's some that can't, but most can to develop that self-confidence and to trust that. I like what you just said. So our joy is not lost, but we're lost. Yeah. We become lost along the way. 
Yeah, I think most folks, even those with mental illness, there's some sense inside them that if, if they paid attention to, that could help them improve their lives. And often uh, people look outside them to find that. And if you look outside, if you're going to come in and do what the doctor says, uh, then you're in trouble. The, the worst thing you could do in psychiatric medication and in counseling is just to, to, to take that. It's the same thing as that codependence we talked about. Right, right. Is if you take that and make that decision being made by somebody else, that codependence, whether it's a doctor, even me or whoever, you're making a great mistake because you're assuming that you can't do it and that they're going to tell you and fix you that kind of a mentality. Uh, Almost a victim mentality. Yeah. I can't do it. You yeah. know, you got to tell me what to do. And I have folks tell me that often. Tell me what, just tell me what to do. Right. And, uh, it's funny that you say that because those were almost the verbatim words the very first time that I went in and, and met with the counselor that helped me. Tell me what to do. I sat down and I said, I need you to fix me so I can save my marriage. Right. And then went on for an hour and a half and he just listened and yeah, it all went from there. But Yeah, not a good first session. That's okay. After five or six, if you're still doing that, it's time to change therapist. Right. <laughs> I, I got through that pretty quick, pretty quick. Um, so you have uh, a business. You said you're doing private practice. Yes. And um, you sent me a series of text messages. Yes. And you had me rate them and, yeah, and such. Yeah, yeah. And it was from your Doc You Can brand. Right. Can you tell me a little bit about that brand and, and what it's there for? What it is is it's just simply, uh, actually it's a very, it's a, private thing because I got lots of kids and grandkids and I think I've learned so much and they don't live in state so oh. I'm developing content for my family and grandkids because I'm not getting any younger and I want to make sure that some of them are infants now I want to make sure they can share and benefit and grow from some of the concepts and in doing that I don't care for other people so it's available obviously but the idea is that, uh, in fact, uh, it, so that's one of the main reasons. It's, it's a right. resource for me because I want to share the concepts because over the years, there's certain truths that I think are true, like taking care of yourself. That's a, that's a truth that it doesn't matter what the condition, you better pay attention. Uh, the resources, if you don't, uh, if you can't name me five resources and you're not ready to move on because you won't withstand the storm you're not strong enough you mm -hmm. can't do it and then following impressions those those are some truths that that uh, I think people need to learn and live by so I'm trying to put those into a position to where uh, anybody but right. selfishly my kids and and those I care about not so selfishly <laughs> not so selfishly to, to do that the other thing is that we're we're right in the middle of uh, right now creating and working on a delivery system for a, a pornography prevention program. So we're working really? with, uh, yeah, we've been working on it for years and uh, the traditional, so there's two problems with that. One, finding the evidence base and we're working with the state of Utah and, and their uh, prevention science and, and some uh, couple of universities. And so we think we can write a curricula, a, multi, a bunch of them, that 
we could, uh, if a family implemented this, it would prevent underage viewing of pornography. So we're pretty sure we can do that, and we're working on that. And then the problem is, is how do you get that to a, a busy mom with four kids? Absolutely. And, and the traditional way is the way most organizations deliver this is through a class. So the parent or the kid come to this class an hour and a half, two hours a week for six weeks. They teach the curriculum, mm -hmm. and then that's what they and then they do a pre-post test and see how that works out in there. But that's uh, an old method that hasn't worked, and in, in the it screens out almost everybody because even those that come, unless they're court ordered, eventually kind of wean off and, and they don't get a chance to do it. Right. So we're messing with cell text as a delivery system. It's been targeted cell text. It's been used in psychology for a couple of uh, things like uh, losing weight. You get a cell text and say, park in the furthest stall. So you can, or, so you can walk uh, in. And the next day you right. might get take the stairs, and the next day you might get one that says uh, eat vegetables, or you know hints along the way that are in real time. Yeah. To do that, and with HIV and some other issues, they've uh, targeted cell texts has, has proven promising. So we're taking that as the getting the curricula from the uh, evidence-based prevention science and pushing that into a cell text delivery system. But there's so much to learn so that I'm also using that doc you can to help practice to figure out the All bugs right. and get feedback from smart people like you to say, well, you know, try this or I didn't like it or however it worked. So, so we're doing that also. Well, I do remember there were a couple of times when, when I was having a day we all have a day. Oh, we all have I, a day. And then I got your text, and I was like, oh, I don't want to read this right now because I'm having a day. And then I'd go and back. I deserve and to have a day. <laughs> right? <laughs> Dang it. I'm going to pity my party right yeah, now. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and then I'd go back, and I'd read it, and it was exactly what I needed. Interesting. And if I had just taken a moment and read it right then, I probably wouldn't have continued down that yeah. woe is me path for as long as I did that day. Yeah. So... It does, it does help. It does work. And, and that is a good resource. Interesting. Well, that's good feedback. There Thank are also some, some apps that, that will yes. send you yeah. positive quotes throughout Every the day. day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And those have been proven to be yes. helpful for people yes. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Apps are helpful, but they're usually functioned by a notification, which means you right. have that extra step to get to them. Mm -hmm. Where a cell text, you know, it's, it's, you're going to read it sooner or later, right. almost always. When, when the, you, you made a comment about this path, you know, that people get on, you know, one of the, we was talking about some truths that over the years seem to kind of surface and they seem Absolutely. to be true. So, so rarely do people stay on the path, myself or anybody. So whatever path you think you want to be on, mm -hmm. you know, rarely do people stay on that perfect, perfectly 100% of the time doesn't happen. But in our minds, we feel guilty if we kind of wander off or we stop at the bench and take a seat for a while. Or So so one of the truths is uh, what I tell folks is don't worry so much about whether you're on the path 100% of the time or not. Just be concerned. Wander across it as many times as you can. You know, just pay attention to it, but you don't freak out and and have these enormous guilt trips because you decide or I decide that I'm just going to take a break and I'm going to wander off. I know where the path is, whatever the path is. Maybe the path is uh, 
to quit porn. Maybe the path is to have positive thoughts <clears throat> or exercise. Exercise Six every days day. a week. Yeah. Two hours a day. Right. Trail running. <laughs> Trail running. <laughs> yeah, so that's a that's a good thought. So I, I be kind to yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. lots of folks get real rough with themselves if as right. in a therapeutic setting, obviously we get an opportunity to hear that self talk, that inner mm-hmm. conversation that folks have with themselves and almost always one of the common issues is that it's real negative. You guys, if I was to right. broadcast your self-talk to people around you and the mean things you say to yourself and the in the way you say it uh it would it would be terribly offensive if you have if you ever treated your neighbor like you treat yourself they would probably run (laughs) you know so so the the worst enemy almost always is the person you know they're they're really really hard and put that pressure to stay on its path and push that direction and and that makes it rough so be a little gentle and kinder it's okay if you're not on the path today it's all right just wander back to it when you want to or stay close as you can and, and it, takes and it works pressure. out yeah and it'll be okay it will be okay yeah. i think that's one thing that we need to we need to remember is it it will be okay and it will work out. And it, you know, if we were if we were to put our hand in water and squeeze as hard as we can and try to capture that water and then pull it out and open our hand, you know, there's not much there. No, there's <laughs> not. You you can't grab water. Right. But Good if point. you were to put your hands in the water and just kind of feel and and let the water flow through them, then you're experiencing the water. Yeah. Good and point. We we so often try to control what's around us. When we absolutely have zero control of what's around us. Right. It's been raining here for weeks. <laughs> if I'm stressed out about the rain. You're in trouble. <laughs> right. I, I can't control the rain. I can only control how I interact with the rain. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's the perception inside that you have. Right. Those are good messages. So with the stress, we have the... Five to survive. That's what I recommend. If you can't name five, you're not ready to go to therapy because therapy causes emotion and change. And sometimes it's not therapy, it's a divorce or whatever. If you don't have the resources to deal with it, uh, it's well spent time to find it. So sit down, list out your five to survive. Make sure you can come up with, with five to survive. And if you don't have five to survive, find them. Find them. And usually, you, if you take in your meditation or thinking or prayer, whatever you do, if you just take a few minutes, you'll think back and say, well, you know what? I used to like to draw or color or, you know what? I used to like to whatever it is. And you bring back some memories and you can probably find one that would be a good resource for you. Or try new things. Try a new one. Yeah, go see if it works. If it right. brings something to you, if it strengthens you, right? then you're on the right track and and, uh, but if yeah. you get done with it and you're like, oh my gosh, that was the worst experience ever. Find another one. <laughs> Don't do that Keep one. Keep experimenting. Yeah, that's a stress. <laughs> Don't do that one. Okay. To do that. So our five to survive, and you do this every I do. day. I don't do all five every day. I have five because like this morning 
I usually go to the gym for two hours, and I, I had a meeting down in Provo, so I had to do a 45-minute workout instead. So that's why you have to adapt and accommodate because right. days are different. But I have the resources, and I use a couple of them a day. Okay. But they're there. They're yep. available. Um, and then when you go in and you meet with these individuals for mm -hmm. your work, do you ever give them any sort of... No. No? You're just talking to them? Yeah, and I, those particular ones are... are uh, it's not meant to give them counsel or advice. It's mm -hmm. meant to collect information and, and give that information, formulate it some way and give it back to the court. So this is crucial for you to be able to live a, a healthy, it's happy life. a matter life of life and death, those. yes. A matter of life S and death. Some of my colleagues who don't use resources get depressed and in dark people and in dark places and end up go finding another career. So if I was to ask you, Faith, do you want to spend 24-7 uh, or years working with murderers and rapists, listening and hearing and, and uh, looking Absolutely at pictures? Absolutely not. Yeah, right. And so for me, if, if I have the combination, it's okay. You know, it's not an issue. You're talking to the woman who had a hard time watching the last Harry Potter movies because <laughs> they were so scary. <laughs> yeah, I think they were kind of scary, actually. <laughs> so... Um, those are some really, really great um, resources that we can, and tools that we can have out there. So yeah. now that if someone has the five to survive and they're ready to, to go to therapy, yeah. what would you recommend would be their next step? The first next step would be what we talked about. It would be is follow your impressions because therapy uh, is a resource in and after providing it and having lunch with your therapists and your prescribers and hear what they say about you in between sessions and see what they do in between sessions and what they do on weekends because they're friends and colleagues and I've been with them. Right. Uh, my rule of thumb is about a third of the therapists are going to make you worse. Oh, dear. And a third will do nothing except be your friend. They'll listen to you and play checkers with you and give you empathy. Okay. And about the other third will end up creating change in your life so if uh, the general rule of thumb if you don't see change uh, in some direction on this path that you want in the you know within six to eight sessions you got the wrong therapist so you better start looking at so people think that a therapist or because they're social workers or they have a clinical license and the and their name on the door they think well they're all the same and they're obviously not so some people, especially nowadays, because we have so many specialties, you know, there's there's some really good therapeutic techniques for post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, right. and there's and for other there's special techniques and strategies that seem to work for specific targeted kind of problems, and and there's some that I won't do because I'm not familiar with them. So we refer them to someone who who might have that skill. So therapy uh, has a chance of causing problems or being a friend for a hundred bucks an hour or uh, actually making changes. So remember that the thing I'd put in between the five resources and going to therapy is impressions because usually if what I tell clients sometimes, so if you pay me a hundred bucks, what could you do to make you feel better in a, in, as a resource if you took that hundred bucks and went and did something in that hour instead of in me? What could you do with that? And often, guess what? 
They come up with lots of ideas. Very much so. I like to go buy a new dress, and I will feel better, and that's okay. Right. You know, so so somehow don't don't put all your eggs in a therapeutic basket because you people end up going to the same therapist for years. You know, they're good friends, and and most uh, evidence based therapies aren't right aren't years of therapy. They're months. You well, know, you should be in and out. You know, there's one thing I've been really good at historically. It's empathy, right? Yeah. And going back to the story of uh, my friends and that lived in my basement. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew that I needed to give them a timeline. Yeah. Which was really hard for me. An I impression, felt so guilty. right? It was an impression. And I didn't want to listen because I felt guilty about that impression. It was a healthy boundary I needed to yeah, set, but yeah. I felt terrible about it. And you actually came to my house and sat with me so I could deliver the message to them that gave them a timeline to move out. And did the ceiling fall? Did the sky fall? Did the world end? Did well, the... at first, they wouldn't speak to me. Oh, is they, that right? They were so angry with me. In fact, the only words they would say were things like, well, I guess we're being kicked out. And, and they were very bitter oh, for I a little while. Oh, I didn't know that. They were. But then they, they found a place to rent. And they rented that place for a while, and something really interesting happened. The mom went back to school. It was something that we'd talked about for a long time. They had to stand on their own feet. The mom went back to school. And she did. She did. And they're doing amazing now. Yeah. And she graduated with a nursing degree. Oh, wow. She, they moved to another state. She got a sign-on bonus. They have their own home now. They, they took their first family vacation to Disneyland. Oh, they're wow. Yeah. The... the they're doing fantastic. See, a good point for the, what we call that tough love to right. put the boundary up. and. But I had to do that for myself and for them. Mm -hmm. The empathy yeah. can only get you so far before it becomes codependent. Exactly. And then you've got to set, you've got to set those healthy boundaries. Yep. So f get, your, get your resources. Trust, trust your yourself. Intuition, and if you and need to go to therapy, go. If you go six or seven times and you're not feeling some kind of sense of change or direction, change therapist or follow your impressions and see if something else might be better, yeah, uh, whichever it might be. Awesome. Well, I think we've come away with some really great ideas today. Um, I, I hope you will get a pencil, pen, piece of paper, your stylus on your phone, <laughs> text somebody, whatever. But come up with your five to survive. Yeah, that's an important one. Five would be a good starting place. And then start listening to yourself. If you don't meditate right now, start start just sitting quietly. Start sitting quietly for five minutes. Hey, you'll you'll have some impressions, and you'll recognize that those impressions have different kinds of qualities about them, you know. Uh, and you'll sense the ones that kind of draw deep and bring you where you want to go as opposed to some other kinds of impressions you, or thoughts you might have. But that's a good one to learn to recognize them and do them like you're and doing now. And follow through. And what, like I'm doing right now with our, with our podcast, our pilot podcast. Yeah. So I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for being on here today. Um, check us out. Uh, Wake Up With Joy. Follow us on social media and check out our website, wakeupwithjoy.com where we will be listing these resources or these tools that we have along with uh, links to our YouTube video and the, this podcast. If you want to share it with friends, great. We are hoping to spread the word that there is hope out there and there 
are tools that we can use to create joy and lots of people are doing it and yep. you can do it too. So. True. True. <laughs> thank you, Rick. Okay, thank you.